0: Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have gifted us with the Word of God. You have gifted us with the living Word who came down as one of us, took on flesh like ourselves, lived like us, suffered like us, mourned like us, and died like us. But he was not trapped in the tomb. He came out of that tomb alive and still living, still keeping that very same humanity that he took on and ascended into heaven. And we praise you, God, that you're so merciful. You come down and you give us a suffering servant who takes upon the sins of the world. May our eyes be open and our ears open to hear and see you now through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. There was once a young man, really just a young English boy, who lost his mother at a very tender age of seven years old. And this young English boy lost his mother in a time in which there was not much support for little ones. In fact, if he didn't have his father, he would have been an orphan. For the year, was 1732, nearly 300 years ago. Now, a mere four years later, after losing his mother, at the age of 11, he was now traveling with his father. But not just any sort of travel, not traveling Europe, but traveling on a merchant ship, for his father was a captain on the high seas. Now, by all appearances, John Newton was a lost cause at this point in his life just a young boy with one parent, had to grow up quickly at the age of 11 as he accompanied his father on merchant ships. He saw things that no boy should see or experience at such a young age with a ship full of sea merchants. And then when he was 18 years old, he was forcibly conscripted, drafted into the Royal Navy. Like so many young men, he would try to escape. He would try to desert the Royal Navy. And while he was relieved of his post, he was sent aboard a slave trading vessel. And on the high seas of the transatlantic slave trade, that young man, John Newton, he foundered upon the waters and drifted far from the faith of his mother, whom he lost so many years ago. And like so many teenagers, he rebelled from his mother's faith and deserted only to find himself engaged in the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade. The trading of black men, <coughs> women, and children in cramped, horrible, unsanitary conditions. But there's only one word for it, inhumane, is they were transported to be sold as slaves in North America. But Newton's heart was far darker than the skin of the poor Africans that he was hauling across the Atlantic. He didn't see anything wrong with this business. Instead, he even thought it was a good way to make good money. But then God, on March 10th, 1748, March 10th, which he would recognize every year for the rest of his life, that 23-year-old man had a near-fatal encounter on the ocean when his ship nearly sank in the high seas through a fierce storm. As he was at the helm battling the waves and steering that ship through the storm, he prayed. He prayed for God to have mercy on him. And Jesus Christ laid hold of John Newton. The Lord ripped out that heart of darkness and filled John Newton with the light of the Holy Spirit. Do you know any John Newtons in your own life? Do you know of any young men young women, young people whom you've given up on. Maybe you have friends that you're good enough friends with, but you don't think they really have a chance. They'll never change. Maybe even family, you've lost hope in. But you think they'll never repent. They can never be changed. But God knows them. God knows them. And He has not given up. Yea, though we be faithless, He is faithful. And these lost causes that we cast our eyes down upon are the very ones whom Christ seeks. Jesus died for them just as much as Christ died for us who once were lost causes too just take a look at Luke chapter 15 at the gospel lesson. We're entering into a time in which Jesus has eaten with a Pharisee and his company. He's spoken to the guests about how those in the highest places will be made low. And those in the lowest will be brought up and brought into the kingdom from on high. He's warned the religious elite that the cost of true religion is everything. Yeah. And so when Jesus spoke about the cause of discipleship from last Sunday, we see that Jesus has moved from a dinner party to speaking to great cl- crowds who are accompanying him, who are seeking him. And now today, in today's gospel lesson, where do we find our Lord and our Savior? We find Jesus is encountering tax collectors and sinners who are all drawing near to him. You see, our Lord has a magnetic effect. He's drawing the unclean to him, but he's repelling the ones who think that they are righteous. And what response do we have from that religious elite? Do we have from those Pharisees, from the scribes, whom Jesus dined with just last chapter? Well, we see in verse 2 exactly what their reaction is to the situation. The Pharisees and the scribes, Luke records, they grumbled. This man receives sinners and eats with them. He eats with them. That's how ironic. That's extremely ironic. It's incredible irony that Luke has set up for us. The Pharisees and scribes are glad when Jesus dines with them. But don't dine with the lowest of the low. Don't dine with those tax collectors and those sinners, because Apparently, the Lord's words that we heard just two Sundays ago, the first will be last, and the last will be first, fell on some deaf ears at that dinner. For while sinners are drawing near to Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling and walking away from the living word of God, from God incarnate, from God in the flesh. Because in the eyes of the religious rulers, those tax collectors and those sinners, they're just too far gone. They're completely irredeemable. They're certainly hopeless. Don't waste your time with them. In other words, they are loss causes. Now, Jesus doesn't respond in anger to those jealous and those envious Pharisees and Scribes. No. Instead, the incarnate God responds with two stories, stories, parables, and the beauty of God is that he not only becomes man, but he meets us right where we are through telling us stories. He speaks to us in a way in which we can listen, can relate, can even see what his message is. Now sure, we may not always respond favorably to the message of Christ, but irrespective of hard hearts or stopped up ears, the message is nevertheless proclaimed. The gospel is given. And John Newton experienced a similar reaction for 20 years in his own life of people not responding favorably to him. Because you see, after he returned to land and he walked away from slave trading on the high seas, he was eventually ordained an Anglican priest. And Newton experienced great remorse for being a slave trader. He repented from his past. And boy, what a repentant life did he live. He publicly acknowledged the evils, the horrors of his own role in trading of human beings. (coughs) He wrote a pamphlet that graphically described exactly what happened on these ships. A pamphlet that was sold out in its first printing. It was printed again and distributed to every single member of parliament to encourage them to end the slave trade in Britain. The Parliament didn't take action. What an irony. God saving a sinner who seemed to be a lost cause, a lost cause in the eyes of man, in order that he may be redeemed to advocate for a lost cause in the eyes of the elite, ending the slave trade. The British ruling elites, the ruling class, they turned their eyes away, they closed their ears, and they certainly did not want to listen to Newton's desire to end that wildly profitable slave trade. But God is in the business of lost causes. He delights. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, as we begin that first parable that Jesus tells us today, (coughs) he comes to us and says, which one of us, which one of us, O church, if we were shepherds of a hundred sheep, wouldn't drop everything and leave that flock to save one? To save one from death. Save one from being lost. And when you finally track down and you find that sheep you've been searching for, who wouldn't celebrate? Who wouldn't celebrate by telling everyone that good news and rejoicing together over recovering one lost animal? Just so, says Jesus, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need their repentance. The shepherd who seeks that one sheep is the Lord God. It's Christ himself, the one who's telling the parable, the one who is the good shepherd, who is calling out to his lost sheep even today to come to the flock of God. He's coming and rescuing sheep, and that good shepherd is calling you. But before we leave this parable Keep these words in your mind rejoice, joy over one sinner who repents. Jesus reiterates this point and he does so to all those who are listening, those Pharisees and scribes who are questioning him when he tells us the second parable that begins in verse 8. Notice that that first parable was about a man who is a shepherd and this one starts out with a woman. Notice the care that our Savior is speaking to all of us, both men and women. He says, well, what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house, diligently searching for it until she finds it? Now, maybe this parable is a little bit more relatable to you and me than being a shepherd, because after all, who hasn't lost something and started to turn over the cushions, move the couches, dig into the closets, frantically search for something in our own homes? guarantee you, it was for something far less precious than a silver coin. A silver coin worth a day's wages. Hundreds of dollars. And yet, I bet each one of us has found ourselves at some point in our life frantically searching, probably yelling at someone, at some point in our life looking for those keys. Where are my keys? They're not where they're supposed to be. Where's my wallet? Where's that wallet I'm trying to find? Or even the remote. remote. (laughs) 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 Because the game's about to start. Yep. Okay. now what happens when this woman finds that missing coin verse 9 when she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice for I have found the coin that I lost and there's that word again rejoice rejoice the rejoicing is not limited to earth it's not limited to us mere mortals Verse 10 tells us, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The realm of heaven rejoices in God's presence over one sinner who turns from death to Christ. We have to turn from the way of death, from the way of sin, towards the one who died for us to receive new life shouts of joy and acclamation that are probably deaf in our ears are heard in heaven when a lost cause turns towards the one who created them because Jesus isn't in the business of retiring and resting on laurels for those who already know him. no he's on the move and the spirit is on the move seeking out those who need salvation Those who know that they are sick and dying. Those who know they are condemned by their own sins. Those who know that there is death in the body is the wages of our own sins. And it's to those that Christ the great physician is seeking out. It's to those that he's searching for. It's to those that we are called to go. Not the ones who are well, not the healthy, but the sick is who he's searching for. Not the well off. But the cast off is the one whom he finds. So, who is the castaway in your life? Who have you given up on? Who would you not dare talk to about Jesus, much less coming to enter into the church? Those are the ones the Spirit of God is pressing upon your heart to bring good news. Don't be like the brother of the prodigal son. Who sulks and fusses to his father for throwing a feast to celebrate, to rejoice at his young brother's return. At his young brother who repented from leaving and throwing everything aside, but then repents and turns back towards his father's home. We are all prodigals. When God has graciously come down from heaven to meet us on the road to bring us And in the words of the father to that angry older brother, in the parable of the prodigal son, the father tells the older brother, it is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And as John Newton would write in his famous hymn, Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now Look at what plans the Lord God has for those lost causes, such as John Newton, such as you and I. For his servant, John Newton, he not only wrote the most famous hymn in the English language, but he also discipled this young member of parliaments who enjoyed his own riches and lived a life of Prodigal, but was converted to Christ. A young man who was a fellow Anglican named William Woolf. God used Newton, the former slave trader, to encourage, to equip, and disciple Wilberforce to remain in your vocation as a member of Parliament. Don't go into the religious life, use what Christ has given you to his glory. And together they formed the anti-slavery society and they fought publicly to end the slave trade and slavery as Christians. Newton, that redeemed lost cause, lived a public life of repentance, boldly testifying against slavery at parliamentary hearings and at the Privy Council. He unabashedly repented from his sin, acknowledged it, worked to undo it to the benefit of thousands of souls. And that work was long. It was tedious; It was hard. It took decades. And the slave trade it finally ended after 20 years of fighting. And nine months later, John Newton came to the end of his earthly service. The Lord took home this lost cause into His kingdom, welcomed this prodigal son as His good and faithful servant. And several decades after Newton's death, Newton's own disciple, whom he mentored, William Wilberforce, would finally see the abolishment of slavery in England. After working towards it for decades. And three days later, Wilberforce would die and enter into Christ's kingdom. What a marvelous impact. One lost cause Newton had on another lost cause of Wilberforce that resulted in freedom for thousands of souls. And the life of John Newton is very similar to that of St. Paul. You know, I think the epistle reading from 1 Timothy in chapter 1 could easily apply to both men of God when Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, And the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. And those words of St. Paul apply equally to us too. For we were once barked by our sins. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, your sins are cleansed and washed away. Because you are made whiter than snow, as Psalm 51 tells us today. And so therefore we can join with St. Paul when he tells us, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as a foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Jesus displays his grace, his patience, and his love for lost causes, like St. Paul, like John Newton. Like Wilberforce, like you, and like me. There's people that we encounter that we write off. We make assumptions. We make presumptions. We deny the power of God by failing to share his love for sinners. So church, repent of your cold hearts. and Share. And share it abundantly. That good news of forgiveness and redemption in Christ Jesus. Proclaim release from their chains. Proclaim release from bondage to sin. Proclaim release from the enslavement to sin. End the slavery of the oppressed and tell it on the mountain. Tell it in the valley of the shadow of death. Tell it wherever you find yourself that Jesus Christ died for my sins and for yours. That there is rest and salvation in his name and his name alone. Christians, look for the William Wilberforce who is in their life. The young person who seems to have no hope. The neighbor who's in need of discipleship. The young person who needs encouragement to live a life serving God in righteousness. Look for the one who looks confused in a confusing world. For guidance in a world full of false guides. Go to them. Disciple make Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.